I'm Ashley B, and this is Phenomenal Women Leading, the podcast. Welcome to the community that celebrates, motivates, and supports phenomenal women leading in their respective fields. When women support each other, incredible things happen. Together, let's make the incredible. Hello, thank you so much for joining us today. We have an awesome segment today as we are learning about a phenomenal woman who's leading through her personal experiences to educate and raise awareness of domestic violence. Today, we have Kawan Fitch. She's an entrepreneur, published author, motivational speaker, producer, playwright, mentor, mother, and more. Indeed, she's phenomenal. She's the CEO of Empowerment Corp LLC, a company she created to expand her work with women and families in transition. Kawan owns and operates multiple nonprofit organizations, a gifted and highly skilled visionary, trailblazer, and pioneer with 20 years of experience in nonprofits, social services, leadership, business, markets, and entrepreneurship. To date, her company, the Empowerment Corp LLC, has produced three live stage productions, co-produced two productions in Louisiana, and has performed at several local events, including the Mari Tour and the Big DM's 2015 Women's Empowerment Event. In 2015, Kawan founded Empowered Connections, a 501c3 organization that serves women and families in the Midlands and beyond, focusing on concrete and clinical services that includes domestic violence prevention and survivor care, individual family and group counseling, and empowering families to live their best lives. Hi, Kawan. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute honor. Thank Thank you you. so much. It's an honor to have you. And for those who don't know, Kawan was at the very beginning of this journey with me. She participated in my um, Women Lead South Carolina course that I developed and taught at Columbia College. Mm -hmm. And she was one of our featured panelists at that time. Wow. A long time ago. <laughs> right? Before the second baby. You, I you were know. pregnant. <laughs> I was pregnant then. I was pregnant and now little Miss Araya is turning two and thinking she runs the entire house. Mm-hmm. And so, Most two-year-olds do. <laughs> right? And so, yeah, you were at the very beginning stages when the idea for this podcast was just planting seed in my nice. mind before nice. I actually fully executed. So I'm excited to have and you. And it is phenomenal what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Now, ma'am, <laughs> entrepreneur, mm-hmm. author, mm-hmm. speaker, producer, playwright, mentor, mother, and more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I'm a newlywed. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Congratulations! That's right. Thank Ladies. you. Almost a year. Do you Almost hear how phenomenal she is? <laughs> yes. Took a long time. As my mother liked to re- remind me during that whole process, I was a 45-year-old bride. Oh, <laughs> but that's beautiful. But it, was, it was great. It was great. And that it lets everyone great. know that you can find love at uh, oh, any yes. age. Oh, yes. Never oh, too yes. late. When you operating your purpose, when you get to yeah. that place of walking in your purpose, right. The right mate will come right. who can actually 
walk with you yes. in that. Yes. You know, had it happened a long time ago, yeah. What happened in my first <laughs> So yeah. We 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 thank God that yeah. um I'm I'm at a good place where in my personal journey that it, it was it was attractive to someone to actually want to be a part of. Oh, that's and vice beautiful. versa. So it's pretty cool. That's so beautiful. Well, congratulations. You. Y'all should see the smile on her face <laughs> in here. Miss Newlywed. The nickname, um, one of my girlfriends calls him is Crest. Because <laughs> every time, from the beginning, we just, we smile. And oh, like, I love it's it. It's like, is Crest coming? Crest. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's what they it's call it. Crest, crest coming. Crest. Well, hi, Mr. Crest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. Thank you for bringing this smile yes. to this beautiful lady's face. Very true. So tell Very us, true. tell us more about yourself. We have all of these roles that mm-hmm. you operate in. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal woman that you are. Tell us about who Miss Kiwan is. And the, did I say the right last name? Kawan Fitch Webster. Webster. So I hyphenated. All yes, right. I am Fitch Webster. I was doing a speaking engagement a couple months back, and it was, um, I can't remember where I was, but I had the recollection. I think the question might have been, like, where did I start? Mm-hmm. And I remember my girlfriend, Donna, I wanted her to come out and play. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't come out to play because she had to take care of her brother and you know, her mom was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So I came, went in and helped her clean up. And we were looking for her brother something to wear. And I remember looking through bags of clothes. And it was a mess. And we had to cook. And in getting everything together so that they can come outside and play. Mm-hmm. And I remembered this whole scene in my head. And when I lived across the street from Donna, well, when I moved... I was seven. Mm-hmm. So I had to be under eight years old when I went into this family's home and was getting things together. It was the first time I ever cooked independently. And, and all, it was just, it, it gave me such a sense of authority, mm-hmm. you know, because I was doing something on my own. And I think I can say that's where my social services started. That's where it started. <laughs> that's where it started. Yeah. I wanted to help the family and I Went in and just started doing. And I know that I was under eight years old at that time. So I've been doing social services, whether it be for a nonprofit or another organization, all my life, pretty Mm. much. Mm. All my life, pretty much. I was the kid who loved to play school, you know, (laughs) because that's just what I enjoyed to do. And and it just kind of led on this path where... My journey for who I became now is um, pretty much has been set in stone for a long time. Lots of peaks and valleys and lots of detours. But it it really has always been in some type of service profession. So as they say, you're not new to this. You're true to this. Pretty much. Pretty (laughs) much. I just I just do the work. Yes. You know, when I first thought about doing our nonprofit, um, my sister and I were going to do it together. And we actually we did. And we were like, we're going to call it answer. You know, we were just two single moms who were struggling with our boys. 
and just were like, you know, we're, we're sick of not having the answers yes, yes, and wanted yeah. to be able to offer that for other women. And when I was, oh, I think my oldest was three years old. Okay. I went to public assistance to get assistance for child care. I was in college and I said I needed help with child care and I was a readmit. Mm-hmm. And you know when you drop out and you come back, they don't always let you come back the way you want to come back. Exactly. So, so I could only take three classes instead of four. So they said you can only do part-time. And I remember sitting there at the welfare office and not understanding why they're telling me they can't pay for child care because I'm not going to school full-time. But if I wanted to go to another program, it would be fine. I said, program? So you would pay for me to go and type and, you know, be somebody's admin assistant. But because I'm in a four-year institution and going part-time instead of full-time, three, four classes, you know, one class difference, not by my choice. Right. And you won't pay for child care. I remember sitting there and not moving. Oh, no. And when another worker, and I could still see her kind of walking along, and she says, well, she could do a CWEP. What's a CWEP? So a community work experience program. Mm-hmm. So I went home. I was doing hair at the time. And I d- was working with one of my clients. And I said to her, you know, what had happened. And she said, well, go talk to this Michelle Peavy. Go talk to Michelle Peavy. And long story short, I was able to get a filler for my time. And my community work experience was actually in a group home for kids 6 to 12 years old Mm -hmm. who were removed from their homes and needed an emergency placement. So my very first social service experience came because someone told me no. Mm. And my... Journey kind of started from there in terms of where that led. Yeah. I I used that class for community work, and then the following semester, I used I mean I used that job for a um, co-op. Right. I used it for my internship. <laughs> I've got so many credits out of that <laughs> job yeah. that I got specifically because somebody told me no. And uh, we often say no just stands for next opportunity. And you took Absolutely. full advantage of the oh, next opportunity. Oh, did I? Did mm-hmm. I? I? I really did. I really did. And when I left there, it just, my. if I printed out everything, I think my, my resume is about four pages long. I believe it. And all of it has been in organizations and companies that are serving different populations of people. So I'm, I'm actually starting to sense some consistency because... <laughs> You know, that was an instance where your experience led you to then become an advocate and to work in the communities to assist them so they wouldn't have to go through what you went through. Absolutely. So that brings us to our topic today. It's October, Mm -hmm. and all of the episodes that we're recording for the month of October are focusing on the same common theme Mm -hmm. of domestic violence Mm -hmm. or intimate violence um, awareness. And so like Earlier in your life, you took another situation in your life, mm-hmm. and you're using that same situation to help others, to advocate for others, and to Absolutely. raise awareness once again. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about that. It, the funny part about me sharing my story in terms of um, the abuse that I in- endured with my ex-husband 
I was working on my third anthology, Mm -hmm. and my third book was Confessions of a Welfare Mom. I did volume one and two, and then my third book was Confessions of a Domestic Violence Survivor. Mm -hmm. And with Confessions of a Domestic Violence Survivor, um, I was soliciting women who wanted to share their story as a part of the anthology. And my aunt, Marcella... Marcella says, and it might have even been on Facebook, I can't remember, but she says, are you going to share your story? She called you out. She called me out. Oh, Aunt Marcella. And what was really the kicker was, I had forgotten that when my ex-husband came home from jail, which is a whole nother story, which is, (laughs) um, she lived downstairs from us. I forgot that she lived downstairs. I forgot how much she must have heard. One, women live and they deal with things and people right downstairs. You didn't say anything then. Right. There was not a conversation then about the situation. So you didn't have knowledge that she was aware. Years later. Wow. Yeah, so when she called me out, um, I, I really, I felt like I didn't have a choice. Mm. Um, I had to deal with my own stuff, and yeah. I had to put my own stuff out there. Um, and the reason why I didn't, at first, it was because I said, well, I didn't suffer the the, the physical abuse that okay. a lot of the women who were sharing had experienced. So you minimize your I minimize my experience basically and out of respect for the women who were yeah. sharing. Yeah. It really wasn't that I wasn't going to share because I felt like, you know, I I it, it was not me. Right. Oh, I knew I had been in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. I knew this man terrorized and and had had me living in fear like you would not believe. This man controlled my household from the jailhouse for 4 years. And 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 came home, gave me two babies, you know, raised all kind of hell and then um, moved on. So in two years, two babies, two years. Yeah, wow. the boys are 17 months apart. Oh, wow. And we were literally together that two years, basically. And, and, and that was it. And so I knew that. But because when you're talking about a domestic violence survivor, people forget that there's many other kinds of violence against yeah. another person. Yeah. So living in fear, living in with someone who is... Um, Mike's husband is an intimidator. He was, um, he power lift 500 pounds for fun, you know, just to see how many reps he could do. Mm. So when you are physically in that space, the thought and the um, knowing that if he were to physically hit me, you know, there, there would be no fight. Right. <laughs> right. But it worked better when he would say, call out my um, license plate number to someone on the phone to intimidate me and let me know that other people are probably going to be watching me as well. Or he would call the job repeatedly and, and, you know, have my boss, where is she? Is she there? You know, all of those other tactics to keep people in control. And the domestic violence and intimate partner violence starts with really maintaining some type of control um, and not being able to control themselves. So it just was not a great situation. Um, It was, um, I often tell women now that, 
my role is not to tell you to leave because mm-hmm. you're going to stay or you're going to go. That's going to be your decision to make. Mm-hmm. But my goal is that you would love yourself enough that you will not allow anyone, even someone who says they love you, to mistreat you. Right. And I thought this person loved me. And I really didn't love me. Mm-hmm. And I had such a poor self-image of my, you know, image of myself. He he put me down. That, that man, he, he didn't even like me. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so when you're living with someone who's supposed to be your mate who doesn't like you, and it's pretty clear that he doesn't like you, mm-hmm. um, you can't like you too if you're staying in it. Right. You can't feel good about yourself if you're still staying in that situation. So, you know, um, who I am now and who I was then is a very different chick. Right. I'm <laughs> glad to know who you are now. Amen. Amen. And and, and it, was a, it was a long haul to get here. Yeah. It was a long haul to get here. I, I really had to do, I mean, depression is real. Um, you know, how we think of ourselves and, and, and the images that we have of ourselves really do play into how you kind of go about and operate within your life. Mm-hmm. Um I remember my father passed away when I was 18. And for two years before that, he was sick. And so that two years, my sophomore year in high school, when I found out that he was sick, things really changed. And it was actually recently that someone said to me that, you you know, you never were the same af- after that. Mm. And I was like, I am almost 50 years old right. and that they can remember that that, that was when that you really were a different person. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that death, it just it, it took me out emotionally. Um, it, you know, two years later is when I had my first kid and it wasn't something like it, that it was planned, but it was something that um, to someone to love me. Mm-hmm. You know, so lots and lots of um, peaks and valleys that happened because of the death of my dad and and not having the proper outlets, not having the the support system emotionally that I needed. Mm-hmm. You know, I was one of those people and I still sometimes can be where I hold my tongue mm-hmm. like I don't speak when I probably could and not speaking and holding emotion in. Led to really high blood pressure, you know, um, led to just a variety of other um, self-esteem issues and depression and different things like that that I've dealt with pretty consistently. And also just made me be okay with someone mistreating me who says that they love me. Now, that's one of the common things that occur when you are in a relationship that has domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, c- can you talk about or discuss a little bit about what people should look for um, when in those relationships or even to look for to identify a loved one that may be in that relationship that's not speaking about it? Absolutely. It's, it's unfortunate, but 
we sometimes justify too much mm-hmm. of other people's behavior, mm-hmm. you know, and when you have to explain away to your family why this person is um, not willing to come over, um, does not want to be around, can't seem to be able to enjoy himself or, you know, in front of in your family and have them be um, available and vulnerable and open to get to know them and that kind of thing. Um it's just this sign that there's there's something else going on. Um, I I had that thing in my head where I said, well, I'm going to give him everything that he said that he didn't have. Mm. This family, he didn't have this and this and that and the other. And and you can't be all to someone. Mm-hmm. And when they want you to be all, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no way to be all. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have to be whole before you go and join. And I didn't do that. Um, one of the other things was when other people would come around, um, very, very conscious of um, who, how people treated them. Um, and, and it would get to the point for, for him, for my ex-husband where, you know, I think my aunt was expecting a call and she had her cell phone in her pocketbook. And so she kept her pocketbook like um, it was a small bag, but it was on her. And later on that night when they were gone, I got an earful about how she must have thought he was going to steal from her. Oh. (laughs) What did that, you know, just, you know, sometimes it's just those simple little things. Um, You know, I I saw this one woman where her husband would not, he would not physically, um, he wouldn't hurt, of course, her face or any place else. But he had, he, she had hips or, or, or something on the side and he pinched it. Just this this thing to just kind of keep you in line. Okay. You know, just this spot that, you know, if, you know, what we would might do to a kid when we want to hey, 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 you know, um, and it just those those simple little things where. Mm, and let me also say this. Women know when it's not okay. Right. Women know when the behavior that this person is giving them is not okay. We feel it in our gut it goes against everything in you and we justify it and we ignore it and we say well he didn't mean it that way or or it was an accident it only happens when he's really drunk or it only happens when I do this so Mm -hmm. and 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 nowhere in the the thought process is that it shouldn't happen at all Mm. you know regardless justifying it or making excuses for it but absolutely not acknowledging the fact that it just should not be there absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely or that he you know it's it's the ptsd oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know we 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 give excuse we give reason we give label you know just saying what we do with children and their behavior right. you know well you you know he has adhd mm-hmm. yeah and he grows up to be an abusive you know because he still doesn't control his behavior and nobody ever helped him to really be able to control his behavior. So it's it's really unfortunate that that women are um, subjecting themselves. And I say subjecting themselves in that we have to make decisions about what's good and what kind of behavior is going to be okay for us. Right. And when we choose to... And there's lots of reasons why women stay. Let's be very, very clear, because I had my reasons as well. When we make that choice that this is what I'm going to do right now, we're also telling uh, telling ourselves no. Mm. We're also telling ourselves no, but we need to be conscious of that. Mm-hmm. I know that this is what it is. 
I need to stay for this amount of time. This is, you know, but but start thinking, start planning, start figuring it out. And and for me, getting away was not easy. I let him do it. Mm. You know, when you are not being physically assaulted all over the place, you know, you have, you know, you, those pack of your mind. He's not cheating on you, running around with a bunch of women. He's not stealing the money. You know, you know, you're not homeless. Right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there, there's all the big no no's that that you you know when you're evaluating your marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, he, all those boxes were not checked. Right. But this person does not like you. He is extremely psychologically abusive to you. And why do you need to be in a situation where you are so extremely unhappy? Right. Why? When we make a conscious decision to stay in that, knowing all of those things, mm-hmm. we, we, we have to get to the place where we go, okay, how long am I going to endure this? Because if, after a while, it felt like, you know, I was suffering and, you know, allowing it to myself to, you know, like I deserved it. Right. I deserved it. Right. And that's just so far from the truth. So you you may mention that originally when you were preparing to write your anthology, you didn't think your story measured up. How often do you think that happens where women don't want to share their experiences because they don't think it measures up to mm-hmm. what society mm-hmm. may define it as? I think it happens a whole lot more for professional women. Okay. I think it happens a whole lot more for women who feel, quote unquote, have their stuff together, mm-hmm. educated women, women who are entrepreneurs or in business and what have you. But you're with a mate that, you know, there's just some something there, you know, um, when you are, you know, being spoken to in a really funky way, um, when this person controls, you know, your time that you spend in your business and out of, you know, control is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. I think it happens a whole lot. And I think that a lot of women are um, getting more empowered to stand on their own mm-hmm. and to say that this is not going to be um, not going to work for me anymore. But usually, um, well, sometimes. That's when things actually turn. And, and that was my fear with my ex-husband was that when he no longer needed me and the situation was not going to serve his needs, that's when the violence might turn up. Okay. Okay, because as long as they're living with you and they're just being nasty, you know, it's one thing. But then when they don't need you anymore, um, the likelihood that, that it could turn physical is 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 a lot it, it the stakes rise a whole lot statistically um it's when a woman leaves that she she act, or is going to leave that she can actually be killed mm. so let's talk about the looks of domestic violence it comes in different forms mm-hmm. right? it comes in different forms i've i've seen a lot of women who when when it's psychological and and just um power and control there's this, um, you know, it's it's one thing. I, I I think I do a good job with checking with Ed about different things. But when you have to get permission mm. <laughs> is a whole nother thing from, you know, not being able to make a decision about yourself, your kids and so on. Because so when it goes from, <laughs> hey, I'm just having a discussion with my spouse about an idea versus I can't execute this idea without making sure my spouse says 
yes, you can do that. And under no circumstances can you do it without me saying so. Absolutely. Absolutely. The 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 very precedent of you make no moves <laughs> under mm-hmm. any kind of circumstance. And economic abuse is really huge now, too, where women are, you know, not only make no moves in terms of decisions, but you don't have the finances or access to the finances mm. in order to make any moves. Imagine gotcha. living off of either an allowance or having to get permission to make you know, any kind of financial move because they are not usually the breadwinner. So you have physical, it comes in the form of physical abuse. It comes in the form of economic abuse. Mm-hmm. It can come abuse. in the form of psychological abuse. Mm-hmm. And then the emotional abuse can play a role in it. When you have someone that's constantly telling you you're dumb, you're stupid, you're mm-hmm. smart, you can't do this, you can't do that, Absolutely. you're ugly, sit down, so forth and mm-hmm. so forth, and constantly beating up your emotional state. Mm-hmm. That's a form of abuse as well. Absolutely. And and it can be subtle at first and and you 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 wonder, you go, Okay, how did I get here? How did I get here? It is so important for women in particular who are raising little girls right. to make sure that you are empowering them to know their worth and know their beauty beyond what someone else says right they they need to understand that and know that regardless of what anyone says anyone says you know um and it's and it's just so hard to to really you know bullying and we all go through our stuff um but and and as an adolescent you know i i didn't like me Mm. so you you know um and there was no understanding for that Right. You know, I overcompensated with a smile like you would not believe, you know, but I, I mean, I went to kindergarten with a boy's haircut. You know, mm. I, I did not. Um, I, I think your baby girl has more hair than I did at oh, five. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've always um, and <laughs> this is a funny story. My mom, I didn't know this until later on, because in my mind, um, I had hair. And they, I remember going to the barbershop. I remember very clearly that my father took me and that, you know, my hair was cut off. And my pictures of my daycare graduation, I had to be three or four years old. I had like a ponytail thing, you know, whatever. Um, And I remember, you know, my babysitter's daughter had corn rolls and everything. And my mom told me, because I mentioned it, you know, this, how this emotionally scarred me. Mm-hmm. And she told me that that was like a hairpiece. Oh, you were wearing a hairpiece? I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> but I mean, imagine a little girl. You you know, we put weaves on, you know, people are putting those braids in those little girls. And, and later... It's not connecting. Like if I'm looking at a picture at me at five and that three, there's such a huge difference. Yeah. I thought you should cut all my hair off. Yeah. I had no hair. I didn't have any. Oh. But I really thought that she cut all my hair off. Yeah. You know, so and that 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 was what messed me up. 
<laughs> that played a part of your self-image. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, and it it goes to you know years later where you you do all kinds of things to to make yourself look beautiful to to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I use shoelaces as bows. I mean, I did. I mean, Jerry Curl was the save my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, self-image um, definitely it just plays into domestic violence because how we feel about ourselves allows us to let other people treat us not so great. Right. So now you are taking this platform. You're leading the conversation. Mm -hmm. You are leading in awareness. You are leading in advocacy. What work are you now doing to champion the decrease Mm-hmm. of domestic violence because in the state of South Carolina unfortunately we're at the top we in are documented top. cases and that's documented mm-hmm. cases mm-hmm. well what am I doing to lead in that regard um, I created a program called Journey Towards Purpose. Mm-hmm. My goal is to empower women, educate, and engage with women so that they can feel better about themselves and do better about ourselves and make better decisions for ourselves. When we know better, we do better. And with Journey Towards Purpose, um, and it's so funny because these the five principles actually dropped into my spirit 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. My very first keynote address at Arts High in Newark, New Jersey, and um, these five principles, passion, purpose, mentorship, work, and leadership. Mm-hmm. And with those five principles, um, through the nonprofit Empowered Connections, we're able to educate, empower, and uplift women to do better for themselves on their journey. And you know, with all the exercises within the curriculum, it's actually um, some real good purpose work. So about that purpose work, you actually host events to go along with your purpose work. Tell Absolutely. us a little bit about those. Absolutely. Well, this year, a matter of fact, this Saturday is the annual Mayor's Walk Against Domestic Violence. It's the 12th year. And we participate with that. We'll be out there sharing information and we'll be vendors. I have lots of women who are going to be joining us. And then in February, I do an event um, around Valentine's Day. This year, I um, think 2019, it's February 9th. And basically, um, quite a few times, um, we've done some really interesting things. We've had all-male panels mm-hmm. um, discussing domestic violence. We had um, someone um, who actually works with batterers. We, we've had um, advocates as well as survivors discussing domestic violence. This um, coming 2019, the theme will be actually children who witnessed abuse with oh, their parents wow. or family members and okay. so on. So we'll be having um, young people discussing domestic violence in 2019 so we know that um valentine's day is all about love and relationships and all that stuff and everybody's relationship isn't great so we might get some roses on that day and there's a lot of women on february 15th who are not happy because you know that person who might have been giving roses but giving roses either before or after some abuse so we want to make sure that we are bringing awareness because women, as we just finished talking about, South Carolina is usually in the top five. Mm. So women are dying other times. And, and I love October and we do great work. But Empower Connections are dealing with women who have issues with, with an inter- intimate partner violence. Yes, all throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you... Um, in terms of your playwright mm-hmm. in producing um, 
those type of events in addition to your published work Mm -hmm. are those all in the same thread yes okay (laughs) my first actual live production was confessions of a welfare mom okay so we you know we brought um i use a monologue style for the shows Mm -hmm. um and we actually brought women who um and we had scripted and we had actors the whole bit um and we do production specifically around either um Domestic, we've done a domestic violence show. We've done mental health. We had a family who was dealing with one of the, da- the daughters who was um, actually bipolar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, all of my production work, all of my um, empowerment stuff, everything is around social issues, in particular about women. So we have a theme in the Phenomenal Women Leading community that says empowered women empower women. And you indeed are a person who... It's empowering women all over to not only speak their truth, but live in their truth and Mm -hmm. to love themselves out of certain situations and then to raise awareness. And you're you're reaching so many people, um, raising awareness through authorship, raising awareness through your plays, raising awareness through your activities and events, raising awareness through education and ultimately raising awareness through leadership. Amen. And leadership being a part of the Journey Towards Purpose program, the goal is that the women who go through are able to turn right back around and help other women. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not only teaching women about giving back, but also about, um, be, you know, taking it to a different level, becoming mm-hmm. a real coach, becoming a real mentor for someone else. Um, and we doing it, you know, in our communities. I, I, I used to tell people, you know, even if this information doesn't apply to you, put it on your coffee table. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, you know, using public transportation, put it, leave it on the bus. Right. You never know who might um, pick it up or who might see it um, and, and actually need it. So <laughs> phenomenal. How do people get in touch with you so that they can further support what you're doing, learn more about what you're doing, attend awesome. an event? that you're hosting how do they get plugged in well mostly um you can find me on facebook um kawan fitch webster k-i-w-a-n-f-i-t-c-h webster um you can find me especially um empowered connections npo which stands for nonprofit organization um has a page um we usually keep our events on there mm-hmm. empoweredconnections.org um, at Kawan Fitch for Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we, you know, we, we do accept phone calls, um, 803-609-3408. Now, do you have any productions coming soon? We are not doing productions. What happened, Ashley, I had been... You know, when we first, you know, we did the curriculum and we've been working the journey towards purpose. It's really taken off where the personal development stuff has really kind of taken over. Oh, wow. So you have a new focus. Yes, right yes, okay. yes. We're, 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 we're really um, about doing those classes. We're doing online as well as live. Um, okay. We just celebrated a one year with our Women's Resource Center here nice. in Columbia. Congratulations. So, amen. Thank you. So we're doing the work. Yes. Um, I, I, I will definitely be getting back to some production stuff because mm-hmm. we were talking about that um, for 2019. But um, we, we, we've been talking to some 
some folks about actually doing some of our um, Journey Towards Purpose actually on her Roku channel. So we, we got some other really great stuff coming up, which is all about the personal development and helping women love themselves a lot more, educate themselves and, and do better because that that's that's the real work. That's and that's that's where I like to that's that's my sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for leading through your sweet spot. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and raising um, awareness to this critical issue that's impacting so many people, so many families, so mm-hmm. many homes. Families. Mm-hmm. And it's powerful that you're bringing children in. That's right. Because they silently suffer through it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it uh, it impacts them. Most and, definitely. You know, as a former uh, classroom educator, I taught kindergarten and first grade before teaching on a collegiate level. And, you know, oftentimes we are charged and tasked as educators to teach the standards, um, get students to perform well on but test that's kind of hard when, <laughs> when they're thinking yeah. about what's going on mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. and they're thinking about what's taking place between their parents mm-hmm. and they are sitting in their room listening to the mm-hmm. abuse in their household. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's so critical that you are raising awareness on that level as mm-hmm. well about the impact and the effect it has on our children. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's it has to be done. Yes. We don't we can't heal unless we uncover and really deal with the real issues. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You this are was fun. phenomenal. <laughs> you are phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. I am Kawan. I am a woman. Phenomenally Phenomenal Woman Leading. That's me. Another awesome episode of Phenomenal Women Leading. Thank you so much for tuning in to Mrs. Kawan Fitch Webster, newlywed. Thankful for her sharing her story with us and how she's leading phenomenally within the field of domestic violence. She took her tragedy and made it into triumph and her pain and turned it into power. And we thank her for her service. Please remember to connect with us. You can request an ad. And if you're already in the group, you can invite others to join our community. Phenomenal Women Leading on Facebook. You can also follow our public pages on Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Pinterest. Phenomenal Women Leading. You can download and subscribe to this podcast, this free resource on all Apple devices, Phenomenal Women Leading. And consider becoming a patron. So seed into this growing project and community. And you can become a patron at patreon.com slash phenomenal women leading. Thanks so much to our current five patrons who have donated to this project to make it possible. We truly appreciate your support of the Phenomenal Women Leading community. Continue to live and lead phenomenally. Please be sure to catch our weekly interviews as we learn, grow, and develop with other phenomenal women who are leading. Know a phenomenal woman leading? Please submit their contact information and brief summary statement to phenomenalwomenwholead at gmail.com. I look forward to learning with you.